Hello, everyone. Welcome to Pay to Pay Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Will Morales. And on today's show, I have William Tingle. William is the creator of Sub2Deals.com, a, web a website specializing in products and training for creative finance investors for over 20 years. He is a recognized expert in the creative real estate technique known as Subject 2, which we'll get into in a minute. He is the most sought-after creative finance coach specializing in Subject 2 on the planet. William, thank you so much for being on the podcast, sir. Hey, thanks, Will, for having me. I'm excited to be here today. No, no, me too. So, William, yeah. tell us, how did you get to this journey? How did you become, you know, an expert on Subject 2? Was that something that you started off with uh, or you, you did other real estate investing? What was William's journey like? My journey was, was accidental, <laughs> you know, late night TV, Carlton Sheets, desperate. I hate my job. I hate my life. Uh, Carlton, show me how to do this. And uh, we know we all know him. <laughs> that's right. Anybody that's been around for just more than a few years, for sure. But, you know, and, and if you've had his course, you know, it's super wide, very shallow. Uh, but I just did what he said, do. I started calling uh, Fizbo's in the paper, uh, the worst possible candidate. They pay for an ad. They're too cheap to pay for a realtor. And I got <laughs> black and blue for about a month. And then I bought a house. And oh, uh, wow. a couple of weeks later, I bought another one and uh, bought another one. And I bought about four houses in the first couple of months. And I said, well, gee, this stuff might work. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was a typical newbie. I mean, I was looking for for my place. You know, there's a million things to do in real estate. You can do commercial, multifamily, wholesalers, lease options. And uh, I tried it all very quickly. I bought a lot of courses and a lot of books. And, yeah. uh, and, and, and what I discovered was even if you use bank financing, they're only going to lend on so many houses before they shut you down. Right. And um, so somebody in one of the groups, you know, we didn't have Facebook and, and all this stuff we've got now. We were in news groups, just post. Uh -huh. Somebody would ask questions, a few people would answer it. And somebody said, well, you need to buy subject two. And I said, well, what in the heck's that? Well, you just take over payments on people's finance. And I said, you crazy? Who would do that? So <laughs> uh, my my next deal that well, the guy called me up, he said, man, I just want to get rid of this house. So I said, well, you know, would you let me take over the payments on it? And he said, would you do that? And I said, well, yeah. And he said, well, come get it. So <laughs> that's how I got started. And I said, well, gee, this is, man, this is great. So I can buy as many houses as I want now. And, and I started doing that. And that's about all I did for a long time. And now it's all I do. Nice. Yeah, I, I've seen more and more people getting into the bandwagon, so to speak. So, William, did you decide maybe early on in your life or maybe as you're getting a little older, maybe early 20s, early 30s, that a nine to five wasn't for you? Um, not to, you know, uh, put down nine to fives. Right. You know, I, I've had a couple, so... Um, did you know that that was something that you didn't want to do anymore after a certain amount of time? Well, Will, if you know my story, if yeah. you know my story, you know, I quit school in the ninth grade and oh, ran wow. away from home when I was, you know, 15 years old. So, uh, I had to hide out until I was 18. So I wouldn't get shipped back home and have a bunch of, you know, minimum wage jobs, just trying to survive. I didn't think I had a lot of options. I accidentally wow. got into the restaurant business and looked up one day and I was in my late 30s and I worked 70 hours a week and I made pretty good money. I made, I don't know, 60 grand a year and that wasn't too bad in the late 90s. No, that's pretty uh, good, yeah. <laughs> I didn't think I had a lot of options, but I hated what I did. I never saw my family, never saw, I had two young kids, never saw them. I worked all the time. And that's why I ordered that Carlton Sheets course. So I didn't think, 
entrepreneur. I didn't even know what that word meant. And I was in my late thirties. This was in 1999. I was 37 years old. So uh, no, it was, uh, it it was sheer desperation that got me into real estate. Uh, But you know, when I found it, I thought, where have you been all my life? Because (laughs) it was a lot of fun. It was different every day. Everybody selling a house has a different issue they're dealing with. And got to have a lot of conversations with people, solve their problems, make good money. So, right. so it just worked out. I was, I was a little lucky in that. <laughs> no, but you put the, you put in the work, William, you know, you did. So you gotta, you know, please give yourself credit. Cause you did put in the work, you know, some of yeah. us might not, and you know, they might wait a couple of weeks and if it doesn't work, then, you know, cause I've done it and it took right. me up to 2017 to finally get back on the ball and right. I bought my first property cash. And then I sold it on owner financing. Mm-hmm. The second property was a few years later. I did a lease purchase and, and then I sold it, you know, mm-hmm. so I carried a note. I was in between for about three years. I think I had it. Right. So it was really good, but I, I was always afraid of those type of deals. Cause I prefer to buy a cash, but it seems that this might be a better way to get into real estate right. with sub two. So, oh, yeah. um, so how did you start uh, your business? Like when did you become, you know, become a incorporated William Tingle superstar real estate investor? <laughs> well, I, I don't know if I'm that now, but I, I'll say this when I got started, you know, a lot of people, and I see this happen a lot over the years. I've been doing this 23 years now. Mm-hmm. Students come in, they agonize over what to name an LLC or design that business card just right. And they won't <laughs> do anything until they get those things done. Well, I was too dumb to know better. So I went out and started buying houses in my own name. Really? You know, the first half dozen I bought were in William's name. Uh, but, you know, so I just got started. That's the thing. Just start. Uh, and, and I did that. And along the way, I learned some things like now we take title and trust, that sort of stuff. But I said, you know what, I'm going to go all in on this thing. Mm -hmm. I took a $5,000 cash advance off of a credit card. I had good credit. I just didn't have a lot of money. And I opened a business bank account and I said, you know what, I'm going to use this money for marketing, for down payments, for any little fix ups, whatever. And I'll make payments all on that loan with yeah. income from real estate. And if the bank account ever goes empty and I can't make the payments, then guess what? I'm I, I'm, I'm going to give up on real estate. But it never, that never happened. I always had more money and I was always able to, to get things done and paid off that little $5,000 loan and, and, and stayed in business. So a year later, I quit my job and uh, haven't had a job in 20, 22 years now. Amen to that, brother. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely happy for you. So um, for those of you who might not know, um, well, let me rephrase it because you did go over what subject two is, but how did you get a creative finance real estate? Was it through Carlton Sheets? Was that the uh, the main impetus for you to get into creative mm-hmm. financing, you know, leave the bank alone? Hey, you know, I could deal with the owner or, or a pre-foreclosure, whatever that may be. Right. Well, my first 12 years, you know, in the beginning, I used small local banks to, to make uh-huh. a couple of purchases. And even uh, through the remainder of that time, I got as I got more successful banks, you know how, how it is. If you if you don't have money, you can't get any. If you've got plenty, people fall over themselves trying <laughs> to give it to you. And that's the way it was then. You know, about yeah. five years in, I had small banks calling me up. Hey, we got a hundred thousand dollar line of credit for you. Come and get it, you know. And that sort of thing. So I used some bank money to do things for the first 12 years. It was only in in 2010 when I completely retooled my business. I said, all I'm doing is subject to. That's it. That's all I want to do. 
And it's easy enough to do it. You, you can find people in trouble or, or people that need to sell a property. They've gotten transferred. They don't have much equity. Those people will, will give you a deed. So uh, that's how I got started on exclusively sub two. Now, my first exposure to it was just guru real estate courses talking about subject two and how to work it. William Bronchick, I don't know. Oh, yeah, I heard of him. Yeah, the lawyer, right? He's, he's creative yeah, he financing. Yeah. Well, you know, I was his student for years. I mean, oh. I, I'm fortunate today to call him a friend. I mean, we visit from time to time and do stuff together. Back then, I was his student, and he was the main person that exposed me uh, to subject to, to really in depth and, and just how incredible and magical it is. So I give him a lot of credit for, for picking up that technique and running with it. No, again, it's, it's, it's to me, I've been hearing more about subject two lately. I guess it depends on the gurus who are out there, you know, right. um, you know, uh, they say, Oh, this is easy and all that. But I wanted to ask you if you, if you go through, I don't know if you go through Zillow or, or, or real estate side, you know, a, a realtor or for sale by owner.com, whatever that may be, right. do you reach out to the owner and do you look at to see how long the property has been on the market? Is that, in other words, how, how do we, how, when is the right time to ask an owner um, if we could take over their payments and trust when, us, obviously. <laughs> when, when you get the story, okay. okay. The, the deal is in the story every single time. It doesn't matter if you're a wholesaler buying for cash, if you're getting someone to do a, a lease option with you, the story is where the motivation is. And that's going to tell you, and there's some other clues. Like mm -hmm. we use tools. We use tools like PropStream to, to know what's owed on the property, what the payments are. If I have a seller call me and I'm at my desk or have access, I'm on I'm on PropStream looking it up. I want to know how much they owe on that property. If they're telling me that they want 200 for it, and I look it up really quickly, and they just bought it last year and they owe 195, it's a pretty viable candidate depending okay. on their circumstance. Right. If they've already moved across the country, they already have another home. I'll give you a good example. We talked to a seller last week. Uh, they own a home uh, here in Arkansas where we happen to be right now. And uh, they just bought the house 10 months ago. And uh, they're asking, I think, 600 for the house. They uh, uh, Just a few months after they bought it, the husband died. Oh, wow. And the wife had to move back to Colorado to get a job to support herself. Now she's already moved back. She's already bought another home and she's just trying to get what she bought the house for. Now she would have given us the deed. I'm very confident she would have, but the house isn't in the best location for what we want. It's too high priced. It's about twice the median uh, home value of a house in this area. It would be harder to sell. And for that reason, we decided to pass on it. The house is beautiful. It's in excellent condition. Mm -hmm. uh, and she would have given it to us. But we decided to pass because it's really not our type of deal. Uh, right. She was a great candidate. She hadn't owned the house long. She didn't have an emotional attachment to it. She was already a thousand miles across the country. And that payment was a problem for her, having right. to make two payments. And she told us that in our conversation. So listening to those things, looking at the signs, that's when you know it's a fine time to offer subject to. And it's care you have to be careful how you offer it. Don't use real estate terminology with sellers. They I don't know what that, subject yeah. two is. Yeah. My pitch to her would have simply been, listen, I understand that's a burden for you making both of these payments. If we could pay your asking price, would you be open uh, to us just taking over the payments on that house until some point in the future when we can refinance it? 
So what I'm offering her is removing the burden of that payment, giving her the price she wants for the house and being able to do it right now. And it, when it's when it's put to somebody that way, you know, yeah. what do they say? Well, can you do that? Would you be willing to do that? Oh, I mean, or tell me more. I mean, at that point, you can explain more. Right. And would you send, a, let's say, a credibility kit, so to speak, to the seller so they could read it? Or you rather just explain it to them and maybe not get a loss of translation and in print? Um, did my question make sense at all? <laughs> I, I've never been a credibility kit, uh, you know, presentation type person. I listen to their problems. Mm. And if my solution will solve that problem, I'm going to offer it. If they've got additional questions, they'll ask them and I'll answer them. And if they say, can you give me references? And that rarely happens. Okay. But if they do, then I'll give them references. I'll give them this lawyer that I know, this person that I've worked with, someone I've known for 20 years, whatever it is they want. Yeah. I'll provide that for them. But generally, and like I said, it very rarely happens. I can count on one hand out of hundreds and hundreds of transactions how many times someone's asked me for references? And it's almost always because they just haven't been convinced yet mm. that they can trust you. It's a trust thing. Gotcha. Um, so William, we're talking with William Tangle, sub two investor extraordinaire expert. Uh, I'm so happy to have him on the show. So for investors, William, and I and I talked to some people that want to do this, but the scariest thing to all investors, the fear is the do on sale clause. Is there a way to protect ourselves? Uh, I, you know, what are some ways that uh, we could protect ourselves for the do right. on sale clause? I don't make the payments. Right. <laughs> That's the right. easiest part we know. But and, there's title insurance, I think, and many more. And you know, Will, you know, Will, that is the biggest protection from the do on sale clause. Make the payments. Right. Make the payments on time. Don't give the bank any reason to take a look at that loan and say, mm. is there a problem here? Uh, the fact is, and, and again, I'm going back to my history, 23 years of doing this, I've never, ever had a do on sale issue. Mm. And you'll rarely hear about it in all the investors I know. Uh, I put out a call a few years ago uh, for my podcast. I said, hey, if anybody here has firsthand knowledge of a do on sale clause violation and, and enforcement, please contact me. I want to talk to you on my show. And I, I heard, well, my friend, those guys, but I'm not interested in that. If you personally have dealt with that and you're an investor, let me know. I had one guy out of the thousands of people I know say, I had it happen to me. Got him on the show, talked to him. Turns out it was a small local bank uh. that they keep them in portfolio. They're very in tune with what's going on. And that can be a problem now. But I will tell you this. Numerous small local banks don't have a problem. They want the payment made. They want the property taken care of. And there's two things you can do, well, actually three, that will probably make a difference. Number one, use a trust to hold your real estate. That's not a requirement, but I believe it helps because transfer of a property into a trust is totally acceptable. The Garner St. Germain Act right. uh, made that possible and legal to do. Number two, make the payments on time. And number three, ensure your property correctly. When you buy, if I buy a property from you, Will, subject to, you probably 99% of the time have a standard homeowner's policy. The minute that I take title away from you, that policy is no longer valid. 
So I need new insurance. Okay. So I have to go out and get probably depending on my use for the property as an investor, it's probably going to be a non-owner occupied or a landlord policy or a dwelling policy, whatever your company calls it. Right. Now, when I get that primary loss payee name is going to change. It's mm. going to change to my name personally, if that's how I take title. It's going to change to my LLC or my corporation, if that's what I do. But if I use a trust, the primary loss payee is going to change to my trustee's name. Now, who gets a copy of that? The lender. Oh, when they God. get that copy of that new declaration page, they're going to see, Will, that you're no longer the primary loss payee. Oh, that's the first red flag that there's a problem and a violation of a due on sale clause. But guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to add your name, Will, as an additional loss payee on that policy. So when they look at the page, they're going to go, oh, there's Will's name. No problem. I also get a limited and specific power of attorney in the closing package that I do. So I can sign your name on that check as your attorney, in fact, if there's ever an insurance claim. So that right. takes care of that. So that's those three things. That's what you want to do. The trust isn't an absolute. Make the payments on time is and handle the insurance policy that is. So do those two things and you'll probably be okay. Right. And But you still keep the, uh, maybe I missed it, the original homeowner on it. We, we, I'm going to name you as an additional loss. Gotcha. Oh, I got you. Okay. At the bottom there, along yes. with my management company, if I use a management company uh, like that. So, so your name will be on that new insurance policy and that gives the lender the warm fuzzies and they don't think too much about it. Okay. No, that's, that's amazing. Um, Somebody had asked me to talk to you about this. <laughs> I was like, listen, mm -hmm. I don't know if William's sure. taking uh, questions, but I'm going to ask it and we could always add sure. it out later. <laughs> if, yeah. if somebody told me if I take over a VA loan sub two, can I get title insurance on it? It depends on if you close with an attorney or title company. First of all, you have to find one that'll close a sub two. And that's a little more difficult than it used to be. But ask your attorney or title company, if you close with one of those guys and they'll close it for you, they should be able to give you title insurance from your seller through to you. And even if they won't, or even if you do a kitchen table closing or a closing with a notary, you're going to have title insurance from your seller back. Uh, so right. unless there's been something coming forward between the time your seller bought it and today, we never get title insurance from our, we, we get uh, a current owner and encumbrance report and that's it. If there's nothing funny that's been going on, then we're usually pretty confident that our title insurance from our seller back will take care of us. I'll tell you something, title insurance is the biggest ripoff out there. It's oh, wow. up there with those, <laughs> you know how, if you go to Walmart and you buy a $10 mixer, they try to sell you a $2 <laughs> warranty. Yeah, Nobody yeah, ever yeah. does it because it's it's ridiculous. And if you made a claim, you probably wouldn't get anything. And it's the same thing with title insurance. I I used to buy title insurance. So I don't know the first ten years or so that I did deals. Yeah. And the one claim that I ever had was for forty. It was actually for thirty six thousand mm. dollars. And they fought me on that for three years. I had to hire a lawyer to oh, get wow. First American Title to pay up on a $36,000 title insurance claim where their agent overlooked a first mortgage. It was oh, very clear. It was very clear that there was an error 
and they still didn't want to pay it. I had to fight them three years to get paid. And then all they would pay me was the principal. They didn't pay me all of my lost interest and lost opportunities or anything else. All they paid was the principal. So I don't, I don't even bother with title insurance now. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I was going to say, oh, there goes uh, that company. Uh, <laughs> you know, that I mean, they're, they're like number one in the world, I think. First I, I've heard of them. Yeah. Yeah. But they're, That's... man, they're insurance companies. Deny, yeah. deny, deny. Okay. Keep the payments. Yeah. Keep the payments right. coming in. Yeah. I gotcha. Right. So William, tell us about your coaching program. Okay. We've got uh, a couple of coaching programs and, you know, I, I see coaching programs out there that cost $10,000, $50,000, we're very affordable. It's a monthly payment. We've got sub two max, which is our premium coaching program, weekly coaching calls, uh, just all types of, of uh, training videos, A to Z on subject two, and three times a year in-person masterminds. We meet three times a year for three days and all get together and just talk about what's going on in our businesses. And then we've got what I'll tell you has got to be the lowest cost, most affordable coaching program on the planet. And that's $7 coaching. It's $7 a month. What? <laughs> you can join our coaching program. We'll train you with video. We'll get you in a private group where I'll answer your questions personally every week. Uh, and it's it's 7 bucks a month, man. If you're thinking about creative finance and you're interested, yeah. drop 7 bucks. join the group, ask a ton of questions questions if it's for you stay if it's not leave it costs you seven whole dollars okay. yeah no i'll definitely put that on the show notes can, man that's you amazing can, you can check that out at seven dollar coaching.com yeah no i'll definitely again put it on the show notes and talk about your podcast what um is the subject more about um traditional subject to creative financing you cover a lot more mm -hmm. subjects or depending on the, the guest the, uh, the sub two deal show is primarily about subject two and creative finance Okay. Uh, we have guests on from time to time that talk about other topics, whether it's asset protection, tax savings, things like that. But our favorite shows are the Real Investor Series. That's when we bring on just real investors, mm -hmm. most of them full time. They just do this stuff all the time. They don't have anything to sell, just what's working in their market, how they became successful. And they're just really, really practical tips on how to be a successful investor we've been doing that for about three years okay so that's yeah yeah you no, can watch yeah you can we've got that on youtube you can watch it in video form or you can listen to it on any podcast channel uh, out there yeah no i'll definitely put it on the on the show notes i, I wanted to ask you um with creative financing i just want to get back to it for a second do you see in today's market, that's probably the way to go right now because the market is up and down, sideways and whatever. Um, and I guess the one another question would be, what would be the proper down payment for one of these type of deals? I guess it depends on the seller. Well, it, it does. It depends on the seller. Okay. Uh, you know, and you know how to get to that, what the proper down payment is? What do you need? That's what we ask mm. our sellers. Okay. Okay, Mrs. Seller, uh, you want uh, 300000 for this house. You you owe two fifty. You've got about fifty thousand in equity. If we could pay you your asking price, make the payments on your financing, and give you your fifty in equity, would you have to have all of that fifty today? Mm. Well, maybe not. Okay. Well, how much would you need today to make this work? Well, I need moving money. I need to get into my new apartment or my new place. Okay. okay. Ten thousand. All right. You write. A check for ten thousand. You pay them that forty over time, or at the end of when you get refinanced, 
and you take over the payments. Ask them the question. Don't assume they want it all. Right. A lot of times they don't need it all. Uh, as far as creative financing in our current market, the great thing about creative financing is it works all the time. It doesn't matter if it's a good market, a bad market, but we're going to see uh, right now, and you, and you know it right now because all of the, the crypto experts last month and the wholesaling experts last month, they're subject to experts this month because that's the new thing, right? Subject to and creative finance. Absolutely. Interest rates are going up. Uh, people can't afford houses now. They're looking yeah. for another solution. They don't have enough to put down as far as, you know, to satisfy the banks. So they're looking for something else. So absolutely. Uh, creative finance is always good. It's really going to be good probably for the next few years. Though. Yeah, no, I definitely believe that. First of all, William, I want to thank you so much for being on Peter Peer Real Estate Show. And before I let you go, just a couple more things. Uh, what keeps you motivated? I already know <laughs> you're helping out sellers, but well, you, know. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's, it's all about, for me, it's about lifestyle. Uh, my wife loves real estate. You know, I was fortunate to, enough to meet her a few years ago. She's a real estate investor. She loves it. Uh, but really it's about lifestyle. I, I don't care about a Learjet or anything, but like we've, we've spent the last 18 months just Airbnb and all around the, the country because it lets you live that kind of lifestyle. And it's cheaper. I, <laughs> I think it's oh, cheaper. I, yeah, for, for real. But you know, uh, it, it's fun. It's fun helping people. I help buyers. I help sellers and make a really good living doing it. So it's a lot of fun. That's, that's really what keeps us motivated. No, and, and that's and that's the key. Any books mm -hmm. you would like to recommend? Because, William, I, I looked at your website. I didn't see a book that you have because you have at least maybe five or ten in you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I haven't written a book yet. We've, we've been talking about it for a few years. I haven't done it. Uh, but as far as books to read, I think the important books depend on where you are in your investing. Uh, of course, you know, the normal recommendations, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that's important yeah. if you're new uh, because you need to understand the difference between an asset and a liability. And Kiyosaki explains it, it so effectively. When you're broke, when you lose your job, assets feed you and liabilities eat you. Dude, you know, yeah. we're all taught our home is our biggest asset, but the truth is it doesn't produce income. And right. if we lose our job, it eats us. Yeah. So is your home really the biggest asset? Well, I don't know. You'd have to decide. Uh, as far as real books that I think these guys really need to read also when you get started, The Millionaire Next Door, you need to, to learn what a true millionaire looks like. Mm -hmm. It's not the Lamborghini and the gold chains. Yes. The, you know, it's just not. Most millionaires don't look like that. In fact, that Lamborghini guy probably rented it for that photo shoot. <laughs> but, but new investors don't understand that. The Compound Effect, Darren Hardy, Great book. makes people successful and, and keeps you on track. That's also a great one. And then just for negotiating, because you're going to spend a lot of your time negotiating as an investor, uh, never split the difference. Oh, I heard of that, yeah. Right. Uh, those are really great books, just for a good foundation in, uh, in what you need to know for your career as an investor. You know, William, it seems like... Uh... For new investors or new or new people that want to get into investing, I, I agree with you. The standard book is Rich Dad Poor Dad. Right. Just getting in your mindset that you could do this. You got to mm -hmm. hustle and you got to keep on keep on keeping on. You know, so I I, I really like that. Um, if somebody wanted to get in contact with you, what's the best way? The best way to reach us and and find us is number one. Uh, at our YouTube channel, uh, okay. sub2tv.com, S-U-B, the number 2tv.com. That'll take you right to our, our YouTube channel. We release videos pretty much every day 
okay. uh, on real estate investing and, and things like that. And then sub to university, SUB, the number two university.com. Um, so those okay. are both good places to find us and uh, our teaching and our products. Yeah, no, no. I mean, listen, William, I mean, for $7 a month, I mean, you hey, know listen. how many people you can help, you know, right. and the satisfaction you get. I always believe what goes around comes around. I always believe in the power of karma. So, mm -hmm. yeah, seven bucks, you know, it's not like I've, I've, I've met people that have put $50,000 on a credit card to go to a boot camp, come out and not do anything with it. If you spend $7 with us and you decide not to do anything with it. Listen, that was a cost of a Starbucks, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really. I mean, it's not it's not going to put you in the poorhouse, but it, but it's easy when when you're getting started and you, you want to see if this is for you. Yeah. No. Well, listen, William. Again, uh, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, listen, it was great meeting you, Will, and, and same and here, your audience, and 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 listen, I, I had fun here today. No, I did too. I mean, you're, you're a fountain of information, as they say, <laughs> and, you, and you're sharing, which is love. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Well, everyone, that was William Tingle, and you can find him at sub2deals.com. That's sub, the number two, deals.com. William, thank you so much for being on Peer to Peer Real Estate Show. Really appreciate it. You can find me at peer to peer real estate.com. That's peer, the number two, peer real estate.com. Check out our blog and check out our past shows. Also, when you get a chance, Please go to Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe, leave a review, tell us how we can make this show better. Also, please go to YouTube and you can find us there on Peer to Peer Real Estate. Please subscribe, share, and like. Anyway, guys, on behalf of Peer to Peer Real Estate, I'm William Morales. Till next time, thanks everybody. Have a great day and please stay safe. Bye.